And here we go. Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. Welcome again for part two. Yes. Of episode 11, The Watts Family Murder. So I probably could have made this like a three-part, um, but I didn't. So this might be a little longer than normal. Yeah, um, but it's some good stuff. Yeah, I would say I was sorry, but I'm not. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you should just <clears throat> jump into it. Cause yeah, because it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. So um, just a trigger warning again. Um, obviously, this case contains child murder. Uh, there's going to be very graphic descriptions of crime scenes, uh, bodies, I mean, for lack of better terms. It, it's it's very graphic. Uh, it's a little hard to swallow at times. So just a trigger warning. I don't know how in-depth other people have gotten or heard about this case, but I got as in-depth, I think, as I could. Yeah. And it's a lot. I mean, it was. it got hard for me, you know. A little bit over the last couple of days, so yeah, I'm I'm glad to be done with it. To be honest with you, and I think to our opinion again, we might not very unpopular opinions are about to come out. Yeah, like very unpopular. <clears throat> so yeah, um, so FYI, yeah, if, if it's not something that you want to hear, if it's not uh, something you want to listen right. to, we'll see you next episode. Um, it's probably going to spark some debate. And like I said last episode, if it does spark debate, I'm all for it. Right. Love it. But please make it respectful. Right. And so. But saying that, you know, this guy is a monster. Right. You know, what he did was horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, but the why. There's the why. There's a huge you know, why that yeah. I think that nobody else has really focused on they've touched on it a little but they haven't really focused on it right and so i think our personal opinions you know i think a lot has to do with our backgrounds mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. dealing with similar situations people snapping yeah. and yeah it, it just we might not have the opinion you want to hear right which i mean is the is the point of this yeah if you can't be, you know, if you can't be open about how you feel about shit like this, then there's no reason for us to be doing this. Exactly. If you can't so, be open and honest and right. you have to pretend or right. whatever, then... And we're, we're not in any way, shape, or form um, victim shaming, victim blaming. We're not condoning his behavior in any way, shape, or form. Right. Everything that I am going to say is factual can be proven. Most of it came from a 2,000-page discovery. So between that and the four-hour interview that he gave, like that's where most of my information came from. Right. If it's speculative and I don't know if it's 100% true, I will say that. But none of this, for the what I'm going to say story-wise, is, is factual. It's all factual stuff that you can find. I just dug a little deeper than most people. Right. So. Yeah. Go for it. All right. So August 13th of 2018, Nicole Atkinson drops Shanann Watts off at her home at 1.48 a.m. after returning from a business trip in Arizona. 
<clears throat> excuse me, she can be seen on their doorbell camera walking into the home. Right. Chris is seen on the doorbell camera leaving for work at 5.48 a.m. Nicole Atkinson, again, Shanann's friend, tries to call Shanann, doesn't get an answer. At 8.55 a.m., she texts her, quote, just wanted to see if you're okay. At 9.21 a.m., she texts her, quote, let me know how your appointment goes. There's a lot of quotes in here, too, just an FYI. Oh, boy. Uh, at 11.46 a.m., she texts, quote, I'm very worried about you. I am coming to your house. Atkinson calls Chris, who tells her Shanann and the girls were on a play date. So Nicole had actually contacted another friend that they work with. Um, I believe it's Cassie, Cassie or Casey Rosenberg. She was actually texting Nicole and Chris. Chris texted uh, Cassie, excuse me, that Shanann went to a friend's house with the kids. She won't tell him where she's at, though, and when he gets home, he will update her. Cassie replied that Shanann's shoes were in the house and that Nicole could see them and that Nicole was preparing to call the police. I think after every quote or during every quote, you should air quote for me. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I could, you know. Um, so then Cassie replied, oh, you know, that Shanann's shoes were there, which Nicole also mentioned to the police that the shoes that Shanann wears every day were at the front door. You could see them. Right. At 1.05 p.m., Chris replied to Cassie, quote, I'm going home, Cassie, on my way. Don't call the police. I will be there in 45 minutes. So... She tells, Nicole, sorry, tells Chris that she's going to the house to check. At 12 p.m., Chris leaves work. At 1.36 p.m., Nicole calls 911 to get a well-being check after arriving at Shanann's house and found her car in the garage with the car seats in it. And she has confirmed that Shanann missed her 9 a.m. doctor's appointment. Right. At 1.40 p.m., an officer was dispatched to the Watts home. PD arrives on scene shortly after and meets with uh, Nicole and her son in the driveway. And Chris told her not to call the police. Chris told right? Cassie, yeah. yes, tell her not, essentially, don't call the police, tell her not to call the police. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nicole explains her concerns while police attempt to make contact with someone in the home. Nicole then calls Shanann's mom for the garage code because PD explains, you know, if, if you can get in there, I can't stop you, essentially, but I can't go in unless I'm invited in by the homeowner. Yeah. So and there's there's not enough at that point to which to is break exactly in. what PD says. Like there's yeah. we can't really force entry. So right. Nicole is on the phone with Shanann's mom, and you can hear Shanann or you can hear Shanann's mom very loudly say, "Nicole, I'm giving you permission right. to go into that house." Yeah, because she called her mom looking for the garage code. So Chris gets out of the truck. Um, he he arrives home. Right after PD shows up, he gets out of his truck. He looks frantic, but not like my wife's missing frantic, but more like an oh shit frantic, if that makes sense. To you, to yes. me, I... Now, it's, again, it, we'll say this a million times. You don't know how people are going to react in a crisis. Yeah. You don't know how their body language is going to be. You don't know how they're going to react. Mark... I think that I formed the opinion that I did because I knew the outcome. So, yeah. I mean, looking at it from an outsider's point of view, the police don't think he's acting strange no. in any way, shape, or form. No. So, <clears throat> he 
I thought he held his composure composure see pretty well. I thought he held his composure well, but you could see it in his eyes. You know. Yeah, but <clears throat> I mean, the police are there. I know he's free. Well, yeah, he doesn't know what's going on. He, exactly. <clears throat> so well, I mean, I, he does, but you know. Yeah. So he goes in through the garage, not the front door, which I don't know. I thought was kind of weird. Um, Nicole made mention that she thought the front door was locked different than normal, which she didn't really explain or get into. But so he. Why is it weird going through the garage than the front door? Because they normally go in and out through the front door, not the garage. Okay. Okay. I mean, we don't. We go through the front door. I think we use both. Not not so much, but... So, he starts walking around the house rapidly. He goes up the stairs, looks in the girls' bedroom, um, Bella and Cece, and says all the girls' blankies are gone. They don't leave anywhere without them. He then goes into what looks like a loft-ish area, and finds Shanann's phone and her Apple Watch on a couch. The phone is completely turned off, which Chris himself says it's her lifeline. They, you know, say that she works at home. She never shuts her phone off. This is very odd for her. Um, they turn the phone back on, and it just it blows up with all these missed text messages, obviously. Yeah. So at 7.40 a.m., Chris texted Shanann, if you took the kids somewhere, please let me know where you're at. Now, Nicole Atkinson didn't make the first phone call to Shanann until 8. So there really was no concern about Shanann's whereabouts at 7.40. So this was a a little bit much of a text message, I feel like, because nobody at this point is, like, calling him. To tell him, hey, we can't get a hold of her. Like, it just seemed like an odd timing for the text message. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Nicole is visibly distraught. Like, she knows something's going on. Yeah. So, at 11.42, a friend texted Shanann's phone asking if she's okay and to give them a sign. At 12 p.m., Chris texts Shanann's phone, can you call me, please? At 1.17 p.m., he says, I'm on my way home. Please be there. At 1.19 p.m., he texts her, where are you? He's still walking around the house. He's not looking at anybody. He's he's fidgety. He's, he looks panicky. He so, does, but I don't, again, my opinion watching him. Right. There's cops not, standing in my fucking house. Yeah, like, it's it, nothing striking that, right. oh, my God, this guy did it. So, He's, I mean, if I put myself in his shoes, you know, you're missing. I'm going to be, oh, my God. I don't I, There's I don't only know. one point that made me question his behavior, and it's not right here. So, Nicole finds uh, Shanann's purse on the counter and finds that her medication is in it. So, Nicole is now like, fuck, something, something happened. She's yeah. like, who leaves their fucking purse? Right. You know? So... He's, Chris says he left for work around 5.15, 5.30. He then goes into their bedroom and comes out of their room with her wedding ring on his finger. Cop says he could be heard on the body cam saying it's, quote, definitely an odd one. So Chris then asks if he should drive around her normal r- route. I hate saying route. But then can't really describe it. 
because the cop's like, well, where would you go? And he's like, well, uh, she takes the kids to school this way, and she's got a friend down there, but she never goes to rest. Like, he couldn't pinpoint where he would be driving. Uh, At this point, another officer comes into the bedroom, says the neighbor has come over, and he has a surveillance camera. So they go over to the neighbor's house. Chris is standing next to the TV on his phone. It looks like he's texting somebody. Uh, The neighbor says that the camera is motion detected, followed by this is him at 517 and points to the TV. Yeah. Chris was backing into the driveway. Uh, He then starts to ramble, essentially, about how he normally parks on the street. But recently he's been putting tools in the garage because of break-ins. Nobody can confirm any break-ins in the area. He said that there was like a screwdriver mark on his truck, but there's no reported break-ins in the area. Now, that's the only time that I think he just talked a little bit too much. Yeah. He was very fidgety, rocking back and forth, like very talkative. Yeah. but Still. But you don't know how you're going to. Correct. Correct. You know, you're. Your mind is, if your wife is really missing... Your mind's in a million mind, different directions. I, I wouldn't even be able to, to probably get a sentence together. Right, right. So, uh, so he's very animated, talking, rocking back and forth on his feet. He throws his arms on top of his head, knocks his sunglasses off his head. Um, at this point, uh, they're done looking at their su- surveillance camera and what is a fetus appears to be a fetus comes on the tv chris looks at the tv and looks back at the cop and says and she's pregnant yeah the cop says how far along and he says 14 15 weeks um if you go if you watch the netflix documentary american murder it's at um minute 13 so it's minute 13 25 seconds is when you can see it and it's creepy so i'll touch on what comes after it later when we get to the paranormal yeah, part so it's, it's it blew my mind <laughs> yeah and i blew tony's mind <laughs> yeah. so um chris at this point is diaphoretic he's very sweaty he he's just panicking i guess and yeah. he he practically runs from the neighbor's house then when he realizes the cop isn't behind him he turns around and attempts to come back into the neighbor's house. And the cop's like, no, go next door, talk to him. I'm going to get some information from this guy. Yeah. The neighbor immediately says, he's not acting right. He's he's never fidgety. He never puts his tools in and out of the garage. He never parks in the driveway. He doesn't ever talk. And right now, he's talking too much. Yeah. It's And it's he says it's making him suspicious. And this is when the officer is like, well, listen, like... There's cops everywhere. His wife and kids are missing. Like, he's nervous. This is relatively normal behavior yeah. for somebody in this situation. Yeah. And law enforcement, I mean, we're we're trained to study body language. Right. And, you know, he, he really wasn't doing anything that... Struck, st- like, yeah. stuck out. The only thing, like I said, was he was talking a little bit too much, giving too much of an explanation mm-hmm. uh, when his his car was, or yeah. his truck was caught on his neighbor's video. Yeah. Then it, it, he was kind of like forcing it out, mm-hmm. you know, and he, I, he didn't need to. So the cop goes back to his house and Chris says, quote, I've exhausted every option I can think of. 
Nikki knows more of her friends because she's a woman, which is true, I think. <laughs> um, this is what struck me as odd. This is when I first, you could, to me, you can first see a sign of like, mm, this is hinky. So the cops are getting ready to leave, and Chris is very casual. He's sitting in a chair. Um, the officer says, you know, do you want a card? And he's like, well, yeah, basically, if you want to give it to me. And the officer's like, here's the, you know, my phone number. I'll answer it 24-7. And Chris's response was, sweet, thanks, man. But at no point in time did he ask any questions. What are we doing now? Yeah. What do I do now? Where do we go from here? What right. are you guys going to... Didn't ask a single fucking question. Yeah. So... Yeah, that that would be a normal... That one got me. Yeah, because that would be a normal question. Right. Or reaction. Like, so what do what, I do what now? What do I do? Do I stay here? Do I right. go out? Right. Um, you, you know, what, what are you guys going to do? Right. Are you going to try to track, like, you know, backtrack our phone? Right. Like, what, what do you need? So on August 14th of 2018, the investigators call Chris for a description of his wife and kids. Another thing that I found kind of odd, first of all, he was he was like spot on with the kids description. Yeah. Which that there's no, I couldn't tell you how fucking tall yep. Jax is. But he only brings up a scar on Shanann's forehead that comes out um, just every once in a while. Yeah. She's got like a three inch fucking scar on her neck. Does she? Yeah. And and in <clears> one <throat> of the pictures on Facebook, she has a neck brace on. So she might have had some sort of, of neck surgery, it looks like. But she's got a huge scar on her fucking neck that he doesn't mention. Oh, and it's well. clearly a surgical scar because it's yeah. It's pretty clean cut. But mm. so the Police department is, I mean, they are Johnny on the spot with this. They start canvassing the neighborhood. They're knocking on doors. They're leaving flyers. Like, they're really on top of it. They do a lot more than what a lot of departments have done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now. I don't don't know how busy they are, but, I mean, they did a good job. (laughs) They bring in scent dogs at this point. Um, Chris is in the house with the media, which he later says that Nicole called. He didn't call. So, I don't know. His arms are constantly crossed, which I get yelled at all the time by my boss for it. It's a defensive uh, stance. Not just that. Um, It's also a sign that you're holding back. Yeah. So, the other thing, too, he never... I shouldn't say never. He very rarely refers to Shanann and the girls by their names. Yeah. He also starts referring to them in the past tense. Hmm. I, I didn't pick up on that. So this is right around the time where Chris gives his infamous porch interview, which is somebody should have fucking told him, no, this is, no, this is not a good fucking idea. So he's talking to the reporter and he's almost smirking. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't mean to, but he's he's visibly smirking. He says he doesn't know if sorry, the paper's rustling. I'm God not sorry though. Damn it. Babe, there's like You already ruined it. This guys, I have like a straight up a fucking whole fucking notebook. I have a straight up notebook this time. Like it's not a just whole paper. Fucking notebook. It's yeah. So <laughs> 
He says he doesn't You're know a nerd. <laughs> if um, she took off, but if someone <clears throat> took them and they aren't safe, he wants them back. Almost like implying that would be the only reason he would want them back. Yeah, right. The reporter then asks if they had an argument. And this dipshit says, quote, we had an emotional conversation. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Couldn't say no? That's a bad, bad you could You couldn't say no, yeah. you fucking dumbass. So... Chris then comes into the PD for an interview. He is asked about the emotional conversation that now all the fucking Colorado has heard about. He explains that he was telling Shanann that things were obviously different and that the spark wasn't there anymore and that they were both emotional. He was, quote, bawling my eyes out. The cops ask if there's any connection between the conversation and Shanann now being gone. Chris talks about how he wonders if he caused this. Did I make her think she had to go? Did she think I didn't love her and she had to leave? Now, honestly, during this first interview, I thought he held up. I thought he did well. Because the officer is sitting on the same side as him. We're trained to get in personal space Mm -hmm. to make that person feel uncomfortable. So, now correct me if I'm wrong. And he was doing it. Because I watched... A shit ton of interviews. But so this interview and the second interview, it's the same gentleman, right? Yeah, I believe okay, so. Okay, so he's an FBI agent. His name is Graham. So that I remember. So um, they, they interview Nicole Atkinson. She says that uh, Shanann got into a fight with Chris's parents. She doesn't know much about it. Shanann was pretty upset about it, though. So Chris then brings up the fight with his parents and how he wants his parents to see their grandbabies. So this was the fight over the ice cream that yeah. Chris now calls Nutgate, by the way. Yeah. Um, so if, if you missed the first episode, Shanann and Chris's mom got into a huge fight over ice cream that was given to Cece that contained peanuts. Right. So he said that he originally thought that she might have left the house to cool off, but now... With all the cop cars and the canines, he thinks someone took her. But then says it had to have been someone she knew because nothing is broken or disturbed. And quote, that's freaking me out. Don't don't point that out. Don't don't point that out. So the cop actually then brings up his weight loss and says, you know, dude, I've seen pictures of you before. I'm looking at you now. Like, you've lost a lot of weight. And Chris gets real, like, you know, proud of himself. And, which... Which, it, it, dude lost, like, 70 pounds. In this interviewer, you said he's an FBI mm-hmm. agent. I, he did an, a fucking awesome job. They... He, he was... Everything that I've been taught in a class... He did. And I've taken interviews and interrogations from the FBI. I've taken it, you know, through other police training you know, around Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is awesome. Building a rapport, getting in his personal space. He he does a fucking awesome and job. Chris actually comments later on because now there's another interview that comes up and there's a CBI agent by the name of Tammy Lee. So it's her and the FBI guy, Graham, and another Fredrickson cop that eventually go out to interview Chris. And this is when he gives a four-hour interview. And Chris actually complimented them on interviewing. He's like, you guys came in with a purpose and you fucking nailed it pretty much. So 
So the cop brings up his weight loss and then says, you know, normally when guys start dropping weight like this, it's because a reason there's another person. You know, it's, it's, are you having an affair? Blah, blah, blah. And Chris repeatedly says he didn't cheat on his wife. So the cops then say, we really need to get to the bottom of this. And Chris, we want you to take a polygraph. Again, the polygraph. With the polygraph. <laughs> the feds so, love them. August 15th of 2018, Chris goes in to take a polygraph. Uh, I don't know why I have an asterisk there. So the administrator, which I come to find out is the CBI agent, Tammy Lee. What's a CBI? Colorado Bureau of Investigation. Hmm. Like the GBI. You know, yeah, they all. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. So, I, I'm not used to that. Yeah. You know, in, in Illinois where we're here. Um, state PD does it. Yeah. It, so. Our state police, they, you know, or county mm-hmm. too. You know, if we need assistance from a bigger agency, you know, or we have like a task force that I was yeah. on, which is, you know, surrounding towns yeah. <clears throat> that border each other. But essentially it was run like our commander was a state police, right. you know, trooper. So, I mean, obviously the the town he lives in, that police department called in the FBI and the CBI relatively quickly because they're, I mean, they're there in less than 48 hours. But we would rarely call the feds. The only time we would call the feds was for the bank robberies Mm -hmm. that we had. And then towards the end of my my police career, um, as you know, with our state's attorney, she was getting ridiculous mm-hmm. with charging guns, and right. she still is. If anyone's aware of anything that's going on in Chicago, it's absolutely ridiculous. So we would call in ATF or DEA, hey, can you assist us? Can we go federal with right. this so we can at least try to get this fucking guy off right. the street? You know, so, so sorry, I just <laughs> I rambled. It's okay. So the CBI investigator, Tammy Lee, um, preps him for the test. And they end up... So the prep for the test is... The way that she explained it was... Talk to me like you're talking to a friend who doesn't know anything that's going on. And you need to give them every detail. Because the way that I understand it is... They want the person taking the polygraph to be comfortable with the questions they're going to be asked. And the answers they're going to give. Mm -hmm. So she then says... um, you know, listen, if you had something to do with it, it would be really stupid to come in here and take a polygraph test. Right. Just so you know. So then she sits him down. She gets him ready about it. And I love this. She says, quote, the coolest thing about this is right now there's only one person in this room who knows what the truth is. And in about five minutes, there's going to be two of us. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty. Love uh, it. Yeah. Pretty so catchy. halfway through the test, <clears throat> she has to tell Chris to, like, stop fucking with his breathing. Yeah. He's like, I don't know whether if to breathe too fast or hold my breath or, you know, it's it's hard to relax. Trying to beat it. Um, Why, why is it hard to relax? Why? Because <laughs> you know you're fucked, maybe? Yeah. So she leaves the room. You know, they finish the test. She leaves the room. She comes back in with Graham. I don't know why I, like, specifically remember his name. She sits down and looks at him and says... Quote, so um, it's completely clear that you were not honest during that test, and I think you already know that. (laughs) He clearly did not pass the test, and he is now repeatedly saying that he did not lie 
um, on the test and he's not lying now. And she says, you knew you weren't going to fucking pass, but I think you did it on purpose. Like implying maybe he wanted to get caught. Yeah. He again says, I didn't, I didn't lie. And she flat out told him, listen, lying about lying on the polygraph is no longer a fucking option. Like, we know you did it. We know you did it. Yeah. Point blank. She says, quote, this is where the rubber meets the road, Chris. To which he says, I'm not trying to make anything continue. I want them back home. Um, The CBI investigator says, "Mm, you know they're not coming home. You know they're not. And he continues to say, I hope they come home. I hope that they come home. Not a single tear has shed. Yeah, and I think that's bad answers on his part. He should have been... What the fuck are you talking about? Right. He just kept saying, I I want them to come home. Right. So uh, investigator Graham is like, dude, come on. Like, you failed. It's clearly good cop, bad cop, and she's the bad cop, and she's fucking great at it. Yeah. Uh, But Graham's like, come on. Like, just, just come on. And immediately Chris says, I cheated on her. Right off the bat, just throws it fucking out there. And then says that he spent the next, or he spent the previous five weeks with her while Shanann was in North Carolina with the kids. He said, quote, I saw her and it took my breath away. So the her that we are talking about is Nicole Kessinger. So now there's two Nicoles. There's Shanann's friend Nicole and Nicole Kessinger. Right. So... Chris and Nicole met at Anadarko Petro, uh, Petroleum, excuse me, which that's where Chris worked. Yeah. She was contracted out to um, Anadarko as a safety officer. They met in June of 2018 and began a romantic relationship in July of 2018. She claims that when they met, she was unaware that he was married because he didn't wear a ring. Yeah. In that field, though, nobody really wears a ring. But right. Whatever. So he eventually tells her about Shanann and the kids, but said that they were separated. Nicole states at some point that their relationship wasn't as serious as he thought. They had just met and they didn't discuss any long-term plans, which her Google searches suggest otherwise. So it is speculated that Nicole started Googling Shanann as early as September of 2017. Hmm. Now, there's no concrete evidence to support this. There was yeah. a report released that stated this. However, they redacted the report and said that it was a typo. Nicole okay. was working for Tasman Geosciences and wasn't contracted to Anadarko until April of 2018. So there's really no connection prior to to Chris. Okay. So it's it's kind of been... Some people are still running with it, but really, yeah. there's there's no concrete evidence to support it. Yeah. However, after they took her phone, they found hours worth of searches for Shanann Watts. Um, <laughs> doesn't really give a time frame, though. On July 24th of 2018, she Google searched, man I'm having affair with says he will leave his wife. <laughs> um, on July 25th of 2018, Chris Google searches, when to say I love you for the first time in a new relationship. What the hell? It gets better. It gets better. This one's just for you, babe. 
Um, so she said they're not, it's not a serious relationship, right? Cool. So on August 4th, she spent two hours, excuse me, over two hours searching wedding dresses. I don't even look at fucking wedding dresses. Uh. On August 8th, she Googled topics related to marrying your mistress and then spent the next 45 minutes searching how to prepare for anal sex and the anal sex guide. Wow. Poop. Shoot. Yeah. All right. That one's just for you. Thank you. So rock on. <laughs> so they also find on Chris's phone that he had a calculator app. And if you guys listened to our episode yeah. the other day about this, with thousands of pictures of Nicole. Ooh. Thousands. She was a naughty girl. Most of which were nude or semi nude. Naughty girl. Um, when Shanann was in North Carolina, the pair would go to restaurants, bars, museums. They went to the sand dunes. Nicole made a video about, oh, she's having such a great time. Yeah. Blows a kiss into the camera. She looks like Can you do that? Can you no. do that again? Uh, it's found, too, that Chris was also Google searching secluded vacation spots. Mm-hmm. Do you know what my Google search is? How to spell poop shoot. Right. And mine is nothing but murder right now. Like, we're fucked if somebody takes our phones. Just an FYI. With the screenshots that I have taken recently and my search history, (laughs) I'm going down. Yeah, my Google search is how to spell poop shoot. And then what is a douche canoe? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which reminds me, I learned a new word off of Urban Dictionary the other day. And that's now on my Google search. So not only am I a murderer, I'm fucking disgusting. (laughs) Too. So... Um, so allegedly after Shanann went to North Carolina and I couldn't really substantiate this, I read it in a few different places, but Chris at some point supposedly called Nicole and said that his divorce was final Mm -hmm. on August 11th. Chris takes Nicole to the lazy dog sports bar and grill. He paid with the credit card. Now to me, I'm like, well, did he want to get fucking caught? Like she's already suspecting him. And now he charges this much money. And we talked about this the last episode. I would have thought you were just eating fucking dinner. (laughs) That is my dinner order. She fucking panicked. Yeah. (laughs) So Nicole saw this, though, as a positive sign in their relationship because he usually paid with gift cards in what she saw as an attempt to hide shit from his wife. Yeah. Obviously. So it's funny that she says that he paid with gift cards to hide shit from his wife. But she said before she was unaware that he was married. Now you know he got a wife? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So using... She a lie. She, she's, she's a little shady. I have some questions about she's her. She's shady and she's a naughty girl. So, well, I mean, to each his own. But I figured you would like to poop shoot. Oh, yeah. So um, using the card meant that he was no longer concerned about concealing Nicole and their dates. Right. So now we're back to Chris's interview. Yes. Tammy Lee puts a picture in front of Chris of Cece and Bella and says, these are your baby girls and you have not shed a tear. And he says, don't take that as a sign that I don't care. Well, what the fuck are we supposed to take it as? Right. They're three and four. Right. They're gone. I mean, even if you don't give a fuck about your wife, these are your babies. Yep. So. They did everything like by the textbook. I mean, he caved and he he caved quick. So then she says, Tammy Lee then says, 
did Shanann do something to the girls? And that then you felt you had to do something to her. Yeah. Chris, at this point, stops really answering questions and says that he wants to see his dad. His dad's out in the waiting room. He needs to see his dad. And, you know, we've talked about the relationship with his dad before. It's very close. Yeah. So his dad comes in the room. And now conveniently, he has a story to tell his dad. They, he tells his dad they had an emotional conversation. And after that, he told her about the separation and then kind of trails off. And he's whispering during this interview, so it's it's a little hard to hear. Yeah. But then he says, quote, I don't want to protect her. And his dad's like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? <clears throat> and he says, I don't want to protect her. And Chris's dad said, did she, did she hurt the girls? And Chris says she smothered them and that they were both blue. His story was... He had this emotional conversation with Shanann. Shanann freaked out and went and killed the kids. And then he snapped and killed Shanann. Right. Dad keeps asking if Shanann choked them to death. And Chris says, yes, quote, I freaked out and did the same thing to her. So the detectives come back in and say, hard part's over. You know, like, I get building a rapport, but like, God, I... She's, like, scratching his back, and they touch his shoulder. I would fucking punch him in the face. Um, so she's like, the hard part's over. Tell us where they are. Just tell us where they are. And Graham, this one got me, and I told you this before. He says, quote, we can help you get them out of the cold. Yeah. And Chris replies with, quote, they're gone. There's no bringing them back. And the CBI investigator's like, uh-huh, no shit. Where the fuck are they? Like, yeah. tell us where they are. And he says they're at the first location he was at that day, which was Servi. I can't remember the numbers right off the top of my head. But he then starts saying, and his dad's still in the room. So, And his poor dad is just... Heartbroken. Yeah. I mean, you can see the devastation, yeah. even in the greeny-ass like, video. What like, what the his dad fuck is, just yeah. happened? Right. So then... Chris starts repeatedly saying he didn't know what else to do, that he was so scared. Huh. Really? You know what you could have not done? I don't know. Killed your fucking kids. Right. Just saying. Do you think they were scared? No. I'm pretty sure they were fucking scared. And we'll find out later how scared they were. So, um, fuck you, dude. Cry like a bitch now. Okay, cool. So he then says, quote, the problem is I don't even know if they believe me or not. What is there to believe or not if you're telling the truth? Right. Hmm. So his dad asks him, are they buried? And he says that Shanann is buried, but the girls are in the oil tanks. Mm. And he says again, I didn't know what to do. And again, I wrote in all caps, not kill your fucking yeah. family. Right. So they come back in and Tammy Lee is like, are you really okay with the public thinking that Shanann hurt these kids? And he's like, yeah. She's like, you're sure? You're okay with this? And he says, yes. I'm not a monster. I didn't hurt the kids. No, you're, you're a monster. I'm going to go with a solid fucking no on that one. <laughs> so Chris is arrested. Interestingly enough, the same day, August 15th, 2018, his girlfriend calls the police. Mm-hmm. And says, 
fuck my life. <laughs> just saw my boyfriend on TV. Yeah. Uh, just found out his wife is pregnant. Like, fuck. Yeah. So she ends up meeting with a gentleman by the name of Special Agent Philip Jones. She does not meet him at a police station. She meets him at an outdoor location initially and brings her father. So August 16th of 2018, Nicole comes into the police station to give a formal taped interview with PD. Right. She is constantly contradicting herself about the status of their relationship and how serious they were, how serious they weren't. How often she had been to the house, how often he had been to her house, just constantly contradicting herself. Yeah. She's also in the interview very animated, like very, I don't know, rehearsed almost. Not like fidgety, but like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like just dramatic. Dramatic. Yeah. Like too much dramatic. Right. Like I get you just found that out, but come on. So. She said that she talked to Chris uh, that day and was like, don't, or excuse me, the night of the murder, you know, when they were reported missing and was like, listen, like, obviously I saw it on fucking TV. You're still married. She's pregnant. Yeah. Don't fucking call me until they're found safe. Right. So it actually comes out later that the night that they were reported missing on the 13th, he had a 111 minute FaceTime conversation with Nicole. And at the time, Nicole didn't think anything of it. But afterwards, she realized that he was laying on a bare mattress. There were no sheets on the bed. So what the fuck are you talking about for 111 minutes? Right? Seriously. <laughs> After two minutes, I'm I get tired done. of you. <laughs> I'm done. Hang up the fucking phone for real. Oh, my God. Shut up. 111 minutes. Like, what What could you possibly be fucking talking about? Shut well, up. I got to go. I got to Google poop shoe. Right. <laughs> well, well, in all reality, she had to Google, which she uh, did Google. Can cops trace text messages? And how long do phone companies keep phone records? Yeah. It's probably not a good look for you. No. Okay. So this is the beginning of the trigger warning. Okay. On August 16th of 2018, Shanann was found in a shallow grave. I just got the chills. Uh, it appeared as if she had given birth to baby Nico. Mm. She had deep bruising to her neck, and the autopsy later stated that by her there was a largely decomposed fetus and placental unit that had ex been expelled from the gravid uterus. There was also a ruptured placental disc found with the body. Now, this was most likely caused um, from something called coffin death. Yeah. This is where, uh, you know, a woman is pregnant and decomposition, decomposition, decomp starts <laughs> and the gases build up and essentially expel the fetus from the body. Yeah. Now, she was buried face down. So this, which, fuck you, yeah. by the way. Fuck you. Um, this probably made it happen quicker, the, mm. the coffin death. She was pronounced dead at 5 a.m. on the 16th. Celeste was pronounced dead at 3.40 p.m. And Bella was pronounced dead at 5.50 p.m. The different time of death just prove how difficult the recovery process was. The babies were shoved into the oil tanks in their pajamas. 
The autopsy showed that both girls were smothered and the cause of death was asphyxiation due to smothering and the manner was homicide. They were in the crude oil for so long that it was found in their throats, their stomachs, and their lungs. Jesus. To get them out, they had to manually drain the oil tanks one at a time. Because they're like four, it's like they're giant fucking oil tanks. Yeah. You've seen them. Yeah. While they're, this just made me sick to my stomach. While they're emptying the tanks, they have to put screens in front of where they're emptying to catch anything coming out of the tank. So they get the first tank drained and they go in. And now being around these chemicals is harsh. It can cause bloody noses and shortness of breath within minutes. Right. So they have very little time to go in and and recover. So two guys go in, bless their hearts, and they see the body of a small female um, at the bottom of the tank. They grab her. They described in detail how they grabbed her, but... Um, they had a lot of skin slothing off because of the chemicals. So they would go to grab Cece's hand or Bella's hand because Bella was taken out of the tank the exact same way, just a different tank. And their hands would deglove, which is why they had the screens in front of where they were getting the oil out of to catch anything that might have come off the girls while they were in there. So on August 19th of 2018, Nicole Googles, quote, did people hate Amber Fry? And then searches for Amber Fry's net worth and book deal. Now, do you remember who Amber Fry is? Oh, vaguely. Scott Peterson's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who I don't think, I really think she didn't know. But this, this bitch. What? Yeah, she knew. Really? They, they know that you've Googled anal sex, so you keep Googling <laughs> shit like this? Right. Dumbass. So on August 20th of 2018, Chris Chris was charged with nine criminal counts. Three counts of first-degree murder, one for Shanann, one for Cece, one for Bella. Two additional counts of first-degree murder for the killing of a child under the age of 12, which, Three counts of tampering with a body and one count of unlawful termination of a pregnancy. On August 22nd, 2018, Nicole Kessinger was terminated from Tasman Geosciences one day after telling the company of her situation. (laughs) They cited the reason for her termination as being her contract had ended. On September 1st of 2018, Shanann, Bella, and Cece were laid to rest. Excuse me. They were laid to rest at... Bethesda, I believe, cemetery in Aberdeen, North Carolina. And this was following a funeral mass at Sacred Heart Roman Church in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Frank and Sandy said the worst part was not being able to see the girls prior to their burial. This, this part pissed me off too, but I get it. So they were quoted as saying, we got permission from the Watts side of the family to have the grandchildren and bury our grandchildren with their mom. So they asked Chris's parents. Yeah, not something I would have done. No. But bless your hearts. Yeah. Especially after hearing this part. So they were quoted as saying the hardest thing was flying them over here. So due to being in the crude oil for as long as they were, the girls were flammable. Jesus Christ. They had to be sealed, put into a larger coffin than normal for a child. Yeah. The coffin then had to be sealed. 
and then they had to be flown separately because they were afraid um, that the girls would spontaneously ignite. And if one of them did happen to spontaneously ignite, it would be a big enough explosion to take take down the entire plane. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Couldn't cremate the girls because they would blow up the fucking funeral home. Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. On November 6th of 2018, Chris, out of nowhere, now pleads guilty to all nine counts. Doesn't say why. Doesn't give any details. Yeah. Um, The death penalty was removed with the permission of Shanann's family as part of the guilty plea. The very same day, he was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole for three counts of first-degree murder. Two additional life sentences for first-degree murder for a child under the age of 12. 48 years for unlawful termination of a pregnancy. And 36 years for three counts of tampering with a deceased body. He was originally held in Weld County Jail. And within a month was moved to a maximum security prison in Wapwa. I don't know what that... Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, He was allegedly moved to the Dodge Correctional Institute in Wisconsin for security purposes. Nicole Kessinger, at this point, uh, is fucking gone. Yeah. So she essentially disappeared. Well, she's out of the country. Well, people speculated that she was in witness protection, and the FBI is like, no, we don't fucking... I mean, not that they would tell you if they did, but... Yeah, they wouldn't. But now... It's very recently, like within the last week or so, it's speculated that she was, she's been seen in Denver grocery shopping. Really? And that she uh, now has contact with Chris, that she's writing letters. Get out of that's here. That's what his, his former cellmate said. So whether that's been substantiated, I don't know. I'm just in the last week, this is what's come out. Wow. I figured she's in Mexico somewhere or she's, something. Yeah. So, again, trigger warning. FYI. On February 18th of 2019, the CBI investigator, Tammy Lee, the FBI investigator, Graham, I'm sorry, Graham, I don't know your last name. (laughs) I should have looked. And an unnamed Frederick police officer flew to Wisconsin. These were the people that originally interviewed Chris in Colorado and got the confession out of him. They said that they were going to Wisconsin because they wanted to speak to him about Shanann and the girls and also to discuss other individuals who claim to have had affairs with Chris, mm. which we did here. Uh, Tammy Lee said that she she just needed to hear Chris say that Shanann didn't hurt the girls. Yeah. She needed to hear that. Yeah. There's also speculation that they went down there to interview him to essentially pick his brain because of another Colorado case that was currently going on. There was a woman by the name of Kelsey Barrett and her fiance, Patrick Frazzi. He beat the fuck out of her. Yeah. And then had his girlfriend find her teeth and put them in an envelope. What? Yeah, it's a fucked up case. So they wanted to pick Chris's brain because Patrick did this and then just went about daily life for fucking months. Wow. So they wanted to see, like, all right, well, you're a fucking psychopath. Let's see if you can tell us about yeah. this psychopath. Like a Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. <laughs> Babe, it's... Ugh. So... Hello, Clarice. <laughs> he opened the conversation, and now this interview kind of jumps around. So I, 
it, I can't help it. It jumps from one thing to another. He's kind of talking on his own. They're asking questions. He um, contradicts himself a lot. Yeah. He doesn't really uh, keep his story straight, for lack of better terms, and has no fucking emotion whatsoever. Having a conversation like you and I have a conversation. Okay. So he started off the conversation by saying that he enjoyed no longer being in Weld County because, quote, other inmates would constantly yell at me from their cells, giving me advice on how to kill myself <laughs> and what they would do to him given the chance. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yes. So they did actually question him about whether or not he had had any other extramarital affairs. Yeah. There was a gentleman by the name of Trent Bolt, who claimed that he had met Chris on the What's Up app, and they had been sexually intimate. Really? Chris is like, "Mm, no, didn't happen. Another woman says that she met him on a social media app, and they had a rendezvous in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. Well, they do have good chicken sandwiches. He again says, I've been to one Chick-fil-A in my life, and it's not the one that she's at. (laughs) So he denies these affairs. Says that the only person he ever had an affair with is Nicole. He also says that she knew damn well that he was fucking married. He hasn't talked to her since the arrest. And he wishes he would have never have gotten close to her. And he wants to apologize to her. And asked when asked if he was in love with her, he said, quote, I felt like it was true. Okay. All right. So... He said Nicole pursued him, which was very unusual for him. He felt more in control with Nicole and could be himself with her, unlike with Shanann. Mm -hmm. However, every time he opened his phone and saw the girls, he'd question himself, but then he would see Nicole and he would have blinders on. Right. He again says he wished it never happened and that he spent almost the entire month of July at Nicole's. So this is contradicting what she said now. Yeah. He said when he was there, he didn't have to think about being a husband or a father because there were no reminders of it in front of him. Yeah. He never had to worry about saying something stupid or plan what he was going to say for fear of repercussions of what she would say. And that he always had to pursue Shanann. Yeah. So this is where it gets um, graphic. On August 13th of 2018, we know Shanann came home at about 2 a.m. She was... uh, he was stirring around in the bed and he said that he felt like she knew about the affair. Yeah. Shanann started rubbing on his leg and his chest and they ended up having sex. He felt that it was more of a test to see how, you know, he would react to Shanann and said that it felt strange and he then questioned who he was and who he had become. He feels that the sex may have been a trigger point or like you hit the push button on a bomb and it just blows up. Wow. Then they fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> woke up a couple hours later and he woke up Shanann by rolling her onto her back. Oh, he Jesus. straddled her around her waist. Shanann initially thought that they were going to have sex again, but then yeah. was like, get the fuck off of me. Like, you're hurting the baby. Yeah. He said he was concerned that she knew and that Shanann and the girls would be gone when he got home from work. And he didn't. He didn't want that. Well, back to different. So 
they had um, planned a trip to Aspen. I think I mentioned that the last episode. Yeah. So he asked Shanann to cancel their Aspen trip um, and then asked if they could move to Brighton, which was a nearby town. They had discussed it prior because it would keep the kids in the same school district. Yeah. Shanann cried and said she knew there was someone else. He said he denied the affair again, but said he, quote, felt more guilty than ever. He told Shanann he didn't think the marriage was going to work and felt that they were not compatible anymore. Shanann asked, what about last night with mascara running down her face? She then again told him to get off. She knew there was someone else. And at this point, he told her, I don't love you anymore. Mm. And she says, you're never going to see the kids again. You're never going to see them again. Get off me. Don't hurt the baby. He then immediately put both hands around her neck and started strangling her. He snapped. He goes on to explain that he felt like he had to do it and he felt that there was something implanted in his mind that it was going to happen. Yeah. A little premeditation there, dear. Yeah. But I mean, hearing you're never going to see your kids again. Yeah. And, you know. So he remembers this is an afterthought he remembers during the trial the prosecutor saying it takes two to four minutes to strangle someone to death yeah and he now questions why he couldn't have just let go of her neck because he wanted her dead she was looking right at him and he didn't he didn't want to know what she was thinking he said she didn't scream she didn't fight and he didn't know why but he believed that she was praying he believed that the prayer she was saying was, forgive these people, for they do not know what they do. Mm-hmm. Time seemed to stand still, and he saw his life disappearing before his eyes. Oh. Fuck you. You're staring, you're staring at your wife's fucking face while the life is literally disappearing right. before your fucking eyes. He felt like he was in a rage, and he snapped, and that this was a, quote, new type of fight. It was emotional at first, but then it was more anger because there was no love there. I think it was more anger from me and more like desperation from her, is what he was quoted as saying. He said he knew Shanann was, quote, gone when she relieved herself. Mm -hmm. He didn't know what was happening, and it felt like a traumatic event. What? What? He was shaking didn't know what happened, didn't know what to do, and didn't really know what he had done. He wasn't in the right state of mind. Now, these are all he's, his words transcribed into the CBI's um, report. Yeah. So he said he wasn't in control of his thoughts and actions. And people ask him why he didn't call 911. And his only response is, well, no one knows what they would do in that situation. <laughs> Not choke your wife. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Stop. Uh, Yeah. Cool. Okay. Maybe stop and leave. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. So Bella walked in. Shanann was laying face down on the bed. Bella walks in the room holding her blankie and says, what's wrong with mommy? And he says, mommy, don't feel good. He wrapped Shanann in the sheet. Remember, he had that 111-minute FaceTime conversation with no fucking sheet. Mm -hmm. And tried to carry her down the stairs, but because he's a big, giant fucking vagina, he couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. 
So he dragged her down the stairs with Bella watching the whole fucking thing. She watches all of this and asks him again, what's wrong with mommy? The kids were collateral. And he said that Bella was smart and she knew what was going on. Yep. He then backed his truck into the driveway and put Shanann in the back seat on the floorboards. He goes back into the house and finds that now Cece is awake. Yeah. And Cece and Bella are walking around the house. He then says that being a dad was the best part of his life and he took it away. He felt like someone else had control and he wasn't able to fight back. But he did remember to pack a lunch because he put his lunchbox in the truck with the kids. Oh, well, there you go. And his dead wife on the floorboard. (laughs) But he packed a lunch. I can't fucking, I can't pack a lunch if I wake up three hours fucking (laughs) early and this guy packed a lunch. Cool. Bella asks, is mommy okay? And he says, mommy will be fine. The girls had their blankies with them and Cece had her favorite stuffed dog. He put a gas can in the truck saying he figured he'd kill himself at the same time. I, what What are you going to do? Trip over the fucking gas can? Like, right. what? come on. <laughs> You're going to an oil field, you fucking idiot. Which is incidentally why he says he didn't kill himself with the gas can because he didn't want to start a fire. Oh, yeah. 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 Cause enough damage. Right. So it takes about 45 minutes to an hour to get from his house to the survey site. Yeah. Do you want to know what he says he was thinking? He wondered if he could have saved his girls' lives. What? Are you what? kidding me? They're, they're alive in your back seat. What, what do you mean? This is what you're wondering on the way to kill them if you could save them? You know, you can save them. Don't fucking kill them. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just throwing that one out there. Wow, this guy's a genius. So the girls were then kind of dozing on and off, laying in each other's laps. When he got to the oil site, he took Shanann out of the truck, laid her on the ground where she was actually buried close to afterwards. The girls ask him, what are you doing to mommy? And he says he doesn't recall what he told them. He returned to the truck and said, quote, Cece was first. He put a blue Yankees blanket over her head, put his hand over her mouth and nose over the blanket, and his other hand around the front of her neck. Jesus. He doesn't know how long it took because he had no concept of time. Bella didn't say anything, just watched. And then he said, if I was thinking this wouldn't have happened, or any partial hint of what I felt for those girls, what I felt for my wife, then none of this would have happened. So I wasn't thinking. He took Celeste to the oil tank and dropped her inside feet first. He says he believed it was a little bit of a tight fit and he maybe had to manipulate her to get her in. You don't fucking remember? Right. You don't remember? So he goes back to the truck and Bella asks him what happened to Cece. She then asked him in a soft voice, is the same thing going to happen to me as Cece? And he said he's not sure if he told her yes. Jesus Christ. He took the same Yankees blanket and put it over Bella's head as she screamed, Daddy, no. So I don't ever want to hear that you're scared when this is what your daughter screamed. Right. Okay. He put his hands over her mouth and nose, 
and his neck around or his hand around the front of her neck. It was found in the autopsy that Bella had multiple injuries in her mouth, including biting her tongue and ripping her lips away from her gums. Jesus Christ. When asked about the injuries, he said that she was fighting and twisting her head back and forth under the blanket, and the, he could hear her grunting as she was trying to breathe. Mm. He took her to the other oil tank and dropped her in feet first. He said it was much harder to get her in and had to manipulate her. She had multiple scratches and missing patches of hair from being shoved into the tank. Jesus Christ. The hole to the tank was eight inches wide. This is a four-year-old. Yeah. So he... You had to shove. He shoved her. Shoved. Heart. Man, what a piece of shit. He doesn't know why he put them in separate tanks. Because uh, you're a fucking dickbag? Right. Maybe. I don't know. He then returned to Shanann and started to clear some weeds with a rake, and the rake broke. He said he never thought about going back for it. He dug a hole and buried her. He recalled that her eyes were bloodshot. They were still open. They also, the investigator said that they found trash bags at the site, and this is when Chris remembers that he put a garbage bag over Shanann's head and a garbage bag over Shanann's feet so the girls wouldn't see. They knew it was their mother they, yeah. wrapped in a fucking sheet. What the fuck does it matter? So you put a fucking garbage bag over her oh, head? Man. I'm really pissed, too, like, that he had to make a point to say, I knew she was gone when she relieved herself. You already took away every bit of fucking dignity that this woman had. Right. You, could, you couldn't have left that fucking part out. Right. We all know what happens when you die. You, you couldn't have left that part out. Right. So, he buried Shanann, obviously. He then went to work like nothing fucking happened. He did make a couple phone calls around 1030. He called the girls' school to unenroll them. Completely unenroll them. The school, at some point, found this a little suspicious, and they actually called the police. They were the first ones to call the police. Oh, really? Yes, yes. So he then called his realtor to put his house on the market. Now, Shanann had called the realtor a week ago because they had talked about moving. Yeah. Um, But they were unsure about whether or not they were going to move. The realtor told them, you know, get get pre-approved on a loan for another house first. Yeah. He called her that day and said, "I, I want it on the market now. Wow. He then Googled Metallica lyrics. I can't remember the song. I should have wrote it down for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, And was searching for secret hotels in Aspen, which fuck you, because that's where you were supposed to take your wife. Yeah. You might as well just kept fucking reservations. And I bet you that's what he was going to do. I'll bet fucking money that's what he was going to fucking do. And Shanann's friend Nicole fucked up his little plan. Yeah. So he said he felt like the kids were killed due to anger with... Shanann. He took it out on everyone in front of him and that he had never been angry before, but this was, quote, the epitome of angry. He had rage and he lost his mind. He was angry with Shanann for separating him from his family. What I say the other day? Yeah. When they got married, he cussed his mom out and told him he didn't need them anymore because he had Shanann and he had done things and said things to his family that he never thought that he would. Yeah. And he still is unsure if Shanann coached him in that. He said that he had actually been angry with Shanann since July of 2008 
after Nutgate when she told him his parents couldn't see their grandchildren again. Yeah. He said, quote, I don't I think that was I think this the was snapping. the straw that broke yeah. the camel's back. Yeah. He said, quote, I don't know if that had something to do with it. That's something inside. And like he can't form a full fucking sentence, but that something inside me just triggered it. And then it was just like all that pent up from the wedding and yep. everything. It's like a long fuse that finally just went to its end. Yeah. He, he's a quiet yeah. guy. He's an insecure guy. Mm -hmm. And just having years of built up with her dominating mm -hmm. and then you know he, he's got a relationship with his now he flips the script yeah he he fucking snapped he says that he um thought that his marriage and relationship with shanann would have been fine if he hadn't have met nicole so now he's kind of blaming I, her well i kind of believe that yeah if he didn't have another female that was pursuing He him. also said that while she didn't partake in the murders, she contributed to them. So he said, quote, right now I'd have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and more than likely a one-month-old son and a beautiful wife. And right now it's just me. Yeah, you did yeah, that. Yeah, you did that. There were no instances of prior domestic violence. Um, he did say that Chan Shanann was the dominant one and he just went with the flow. But he also yes. said that he never felt belittled by Shannon. Uh, I don't know if I believe now, that. Or Shanann, excuse me. Shanann had actually, a couple days prior to the murders, had texted her friends saying, like, maybe I do put him down. Like, maybe I yeah. am a bitch to him. Like, yes. this is what she was thinking. And I, I saw it, like, in the documentary, yeah. the text messages that she's saying and just the comments she's making. So that's I what mean, I'm she... saying. Like, he's not he's not consistent yeah. with anything. No, no. So but... he was then asked what he planned to do about his missing family, and he said he had no idea what he was going to do. His plan was not well thought out. Uh-huh. And it was not a, quote, criminal minds thing. Then he didn't understand how he was able to act normal around coworkers. Because you're a fucking sociopath. Mm -hmm. That would be why. Yeah. Um, after the fight with Shannon and his parents, he didn't speak to his parents again until August 6th of 2018. His parents told him they didn't know if they'd ever be able to forgive Shannon. And Shannon told him that he wasn't allowed to call or talk to his parents. Yeah. That's... To which he said his dad was his hero and he felt like he had lost him because he wasn't able to talk to him for three weeks. That was, yeah. 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 He... So. Years of being yeah. fucking dominated by her. So then he was asked um, whether or not him and Nicole had talked about the future. And Nicole had said both. You know, I she was searching fucking wedding dresses and right. marrying your mistress. But then on the other hand said that they had just met and they weren't, you know, they were taking things yeah. slow. So he said they had talked about finding him an apartment, but not actually moving in together. Mm -hmm. He deleted his Facebook on August 8th after Nicole told him that she told all her friends about him. Yeah. He was afraid that they would go on Facebook and search him and find out that his wife was pregnant. Mm. So... He said him and Nicole never fought, but he had to calm her down and talk her off a ledge a few times after she got upset, uh, knowing that she would always be the, quote, other person and that Shanann would always be first. So the first time she realized this was when he woke up on July 4th and he had 10 missed calls from Shanann and he ended up leaving. And yeah. Nicole was like, fuck you. 
don't like I'm I'm not gonna play second you know second fiddle. Yeah. Um. He then finds out though that she was still setting up dates on eHarmony. Mm. None of the guys showed up. Random factoid probably didn't have to be put in there, but whatever. Mm. He was asked about pleading guilty, why he did it. He said he didn't want anyone else to go through court proceedings for the next two to four years. A few weeks after his arrest, he told his attorneys everything, and he didn't want to put his attorneys in a position to make them lie under oath. Right. So after he was offered the plea deal, his attorneys repeatedly asked him if he was sure he wanted to take it, because obviously they don't want appeal. But he said, are you ready for this? He doesn't regret taking the plea deal, but he also didn't think he'd be in prison for the rest of his life. The fuck did he think? Where the fuck did you think you were going? Where were you going? (laughs) Now, if we were talking about Cook County. Totally different story. Right. Right. (laughs) Dude, you're in a death penalty state. Yeah. Where the fuck did you think you were going? Yeah. Sorry, bro. Uh, I read that and I had to read it like three times. I'm like, what the fuck? What? (laughs) He told his parents the night before entering his guilty plea that he was pleading guilty and he was pleading guilty for a reason. Yeah. His parents still to this to this day um, think he was railroaded and pressured into pleading guilty. His mom ended up writing a book and it's a fucking dumpster fire, by the way. Fucking terrible. There's also another book, this woman, and I don't I don't know anything about the book. I didn't have time to look. Uh, it's called Letters from Chris, and this woman yeah. says that she was corresponding with Chris, and these are all of his letters. And if that's the case, that's a whole nother fucking Jerry Springer show. Really? He talks about trying to kill her before and giving her oxy and trying to kill the girls before. What? It's a whole other fucking, yeah, whole other Holy mess. If those are If those are legitimately from him. Yeah. Yeah. Are they trying to verify that? Yeah, and I, I mean, they might have already. I just... I didn't have time yeah. to look. So, I mean, I was I was literally writing down, like, <laughs> right until the last fucking minute before Chipotle got delivered. I so, know. Um, My stomach is a bubble in, too. So, okay, I'll try and talk fast. Um, <laughs> his parents had received correspondence from all around the world blaming the Thrive products, saying that they were not approved by the FDA and that they can alter someone's mind. Now, Chris was previously quoted as stating that he had no problems with the weight loss patches, but there was a particular patch called the Duo Burn, which caused insomnia, and his even his Apple Watch recorded it as if he was exercising all day yeah. long. So I, I did look it up. Some of the ingredients in these patches are FDA approved. However, the products as a whole are not. And that's only because the FDA is not authorized to review dietary supplement products for safety and effectiveness before they are marketed. So Thrive's been around since a while. The earliest I could see was 2015. Right. So while the FDA had not validated any of the Lavelle and Thrive products or claims, they hadn't had any reason to intervene yeah. and you yeah. know look into it. <clears throat> So then his parents told him they wanted him to use the defense of complex post-traumatic stress disorder for being in an emotionally abusive relationship. He said, well, he could relate to some of the information. It doesn't make up for what happened. Yeah. His parents still think that there's a chance that he'll get out of prison. Mm, what? Uh, I don't think so. 
He said the day of the initial interview, quote, walking in there that day, just walking into that room, I knew I wasn't walking out. He then said he wondered how any of his friends could say good things about him after what happened. Now, prior to this, not a bad word was said about him. His wife couldn't say enough about him. Yeah. You know, up until she thought he was cheating. Yeah. I, I mean, his his job loved him. His boss vouched for him after this happened. Shanann was constantly gushing about him on Facebook. Like, there wasn't a bad word about this guy. Just, he snapped. So, this is where, now this is where I start to get pissed off again. He tells himself he can't take to heart what people think about him because what God thinks about him is the only thing that matters now. Because, of course, he found God. They always fucking do. Yeah. He asked God for forgiveness. God thinks you're a dickhead, too. <laughs> right. I, I hate that. He hopes he can help other people with the time he has left. You want to know an interesting fact? Yeah. Do you remember Jamie Kloss, the 13-year-old that was uh, kidnapped after her parents were murdered in Wisconsin? Yeah. So that was done by a, a gentleman by the name of Jake Peterson, who was okay. sent to the same prison. Yeah. And Chris wanted to be a mentor to him. And they bonded over Bible studies. <laughs> Whatever. Are you kidding me? Whatever. Because apparently Jake had also found God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, God thinks you're a dickhead, too. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> he then said, quote, I never knew I could have a relationship with God like I do now. It's like amazing grace with all of this. Oh, yeah. What part? <laughs> what part? Are you forgetting everything that fucking happened? No, that's forgiven. What part is amazing grace <laughs> of all of this? But I kind of wish nobody had to pay any kind of a price for this. Mm. I know there is a purpose for everybody. I just hope I can find mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, it gets better. And this is where I'll we'll kind of go into other stuff. He said it's going to take a long time for the guilt he feels to go away. Oh, poor guy. Babe. And he's upset that people are defining him by one single moment in his life. Uh, Fuck yeah. you. Dude, I'm not, I'm not condoning his actions in any way. Okay, you snapped. You killed your wife. You made your daughters fucking flammable. Yeah. Your yeah. children could have spontaneously combusted. Yeah, that's pretty bad. What's God think about that? Right. Did you tell him that part? Does he think that's amazing, Grace? <laughs> You're a fucking douchebag. Like, uh, douche canoe babe they're defining him by one moment in his life well that moment was pretty big pretty fucking big yeah kind of significant i would yeah. think mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah when he cried in the interview i was so scared <laughs> i wanted to punch my fucking computer now you want to thank cry? god he didn't now now you want to cry that's the only time he fucking cried too oh. The only time. I pray to God somebody showed him the fucking pictures of his kids when they pulled them out of the tanks. Oh, do you know what else that I totally forgot to write down? This what? is how fucked up him and his family are. What? He writes letters to Bella and Celeste 
Stop. He mails them to his mother and she takes them to their grave and she reads them to, to the girl's graves. Dude, stop. Fucking stop. What? Like. And shame on you, mom. Babe, I'm telling you. Like, fuck you. She's. She's. I. He is, is very, at this point, disassociative. He's just. Yeah. It's like he's pretending it didn't happen yeah. and it, it wasn't his hands that choked his fucking children right. and he's just in jail staring at their pictures on the fucking wall because, you know, that's where he is for the day. Whatever. Right. But she, like, you have the the audacity to go to their fucking graves and read the letters written by the, ma- the man who fucking threw them in an oil tank like yeah. they were garbage? That's pretty fucking ignorant. And then their blankies? Nah, you just threw them in the fucking trash. Whatever. Threw them in a dumpster on the way home. Do you want to know when on the way home, though? When he was on the way home because the fucking police were at his house. That's when he pulled over and changed his clothes and threw out the clothes and the fucking kids' blankets. Babe, you're starting to sweat. I'm, Are you a little irritated? Like, <laughs> I had, I, I didn't think I would have a hard time. You're like, like yelling at me. Oh my God. Cause you're in front of me. <laughs> I didn't think I would have a hard time. And then, then I did. And then writing it down was hard enough, but reading it, I almost lost it. Like who told us to do this? Violet? Yeah. Vi- Damn you, Violet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like my, my, my heart is beating out of my fucking chest right now. Like I, I almost lost it reading about the girls. Cause yeah. while I wanted to explain the why, there's a why for your wife. Those babies were collateral damage. Yes, they were. Yeah. And that's what they, you They you knew did what to was them. up. They Bella knew what was going on. She was four. Yeah. And she watched you fucking smother her sister. And in that moment, you know, because you were you were talking about, you know, well, he's thinking about this and thinking about that. He just got done killing his wife. He's in a fight or flight situation. He's in tunnel vision. He's not fucking thinking about everything in the world. He's thinking about what the fuck do I do right now? He says every time he closes his eyes, he can hear Bella yell, Daddy, no. Good. I hope it's on fucking repeat in your brain. Yeah. Until the day that you die. And I hope you live to be a hundred and fucking seventeen. And you have to listen to that all day long. Nope. So Okay, before I start yelling again. So there's multiple theories. Do you need a towel to fucking wipe off? Babe, this one was like a lot rougher than I thought it was going to be. I, I see um, that. I am a heartless, emotionless fucking asshole. I could vouch for that. And I just almost cried trying to read that. Yeah. So um, some of the theories are that he killed the girls prior to Shanann coming home. I don't believe that. I don't believe that either because I don't think he would go into that detail. I don't think he would have made up those details. No, no. Um, And what... I would like to find the stats on, you know, murders that happen like that. Killing the, the kids. The family before. annihilators that kill yeah, the kids. They the, don't. They, they generally don't. kill the spouse first. Exactly. Because. It rarely ever happens. Right. They don't want the spouse to stop them. Yes. So they kill the spouse first. Exactly. Um, or the anger is towards the spouse. Right. And 
So there are some people that still believe that Shanann killed the girls. No. And those people are called fucking idiots. <laughs> um, the other theory is that Nicole, um, the girlfriend Nicole, was the safety officer. And she knew how it, something about an insurance policy and blowing up. Basically that like, are, I mean, did you miss your mouth? I totally fucking missed you my did. mouth. Um, I ruined my fucking Ric Flair shirt. Something about Shanann and the girls were going to come visit Chris at work. I think and I they got were... some fucking <laughs> propel on the jizz fucking plane. guard now. Um, And that they were going to get a life insurance policy. Like, what, you were going to say your kids came to visit you at work and fell into the oil tanks? <laughs> Good story. Yeah. These people are fucking stupid. Babe... Usually criminals are. They're not. They're not good at that. No. They're not. I would love to hear what Nicole has to say now. Yeah. Because truly in my heart of hearts, I think she had more to do with it than they're both admitting. Oh, I do Do I think she physically put her hands on them? Probably not. But I think she was like, listen. I think she gave them an ultimatum. Yeah. Either they go or I go. Or I go. Because she had also made a comment that um, she didn't want kids and that she wished he didn't have kids, but she wished that she could have been the one to give him a son. Well, and she is into butt stuff, so. Clearly, but doesn't know how to be into butt stuff. Hey, Who well- fucking Googles that, by the way? <laughs> Lube it up and shove it in. You don't have a friend you can ask? (laughs) You type it into Google? Well, Google Google knows everything. Am I the only one who thinks, okay, if I die and somebody looks at my Google history, like, (laughs) fuck. Clearly she did not care. But for real, who Googles that? Well, she did. Call a friend. Phone a friend. Mm. I don't don't know. Just... I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory i think i don't think you need a whole guide to do it but apparently if anybody's interested maybe she needed a a diagram there's a whole guide on on google yeah i mean she could have could have gone on pornhub or something again pretty (laughs) self-explanatory one would think (laughs) so now what do you think with this medicine or whatever the thrive the, the thrive um i think that the the active ingredients in it is the same as any other fucking weight loss product. But again, none of those are regulated by the FDA. The only time they ever look into it is if there's adverse side effects. And by adverse side effects, I mean like stroke, death, you know. So you you don't really know. Could it chemically, could it affect the chemicals in his brain? Absolutely. I, I think a lot of this garbage and looking back when I was younger, you know, taking all this shit from GNC mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't know what the fuck you is don't. in it. Mm-mm. You know, I, I mean, honestly, the safest way to do it is taking fucking steroids. Yeah. Like the gas, grass root from China could be fucking mold. Yeah. So, I you mean, know. but when you're taking shit like that. It's not normal to take a supplement that makes your apple watch think that you are exercising like that's that's kind of a big deal now they're according to what i could find the only side effects really that were majorly reported with 
these patches was like redness to the area, itching, rapid heartbeat, nausea, stuff like that. Like any normal side effect in a in a weight loss product. Yeah. But again, just, they're not FDA regulated. Exactly. There could be fucking it, rat poison there in there. There could be fucking anything in there. And then even if it is FDA approved, look, my personal experience, you know, I'm on a lot of medication mm-hmm. for a lot of shit that's going on, yeah. on, you know, that I'm going through right now. And Lyrica. Oh, that fucked I, you up. <laughs> I had every and literally the commercials when they're like, you're going to get everything from diarrhea to leukemia. Like that was Mark on Lyrica. You you almost. I almost committed you. Yeah. You almost say it. I almost committed you. Yeah. And I, I had no clue what was going on. It was bad. I was seeing people. Mm -hmm. I was seeing dead people. That's, that's a good like segue into our next part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. But I, I think it could. Play. I think it could have, but nobody knows. Yeah. You know? know, and now looking at him, he's just so emotionless when he talks about it. But like, he's not he's not catatonic. He doesn't just fucking sit there and like drool. He, he shows emotion, just not when it comes to this. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't he know. W- was able to make himself numb to it. I, I well, did. it was a traumatic event for babe, him, babe. I, not trying to be funny. I know. All the murders that I handled, I, I held them. Yeah, but you weren't the one with your fucking hands around your kid's throat. So I, I get it. I get it. I know. But People become numb to traumatic events. Well, maybe don't cause that traumatic event by killing your family. Yeah. Just saying. True. So... But we got to talk about the paranormal. The paranormal. The stuff that blew my mind. Shit. And I blew your mind again today. Yeah. Okay. So back to the American Murder documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Back to that 13 minute, 25 second mark. Yes. So if you're watching the TV. um, And you guys have to Google this stuff. Yeah. Because it's it's fucking trippy. A few of them you have to kind of. You got to go a couple pages in to Google, but um, this one is pretty up there. So it's the fetus, and then it shows a woman in, like, an old-timey gas mask. Well, did you explain what part this is? Yeah, at minute 1325 at the neighbor's house. Okay, yeah, when the neighbor is showing the video surveillance. So, and it goes to a commercial, um, or what we think is a commercial I, I was trying to think what commercial that None. could have been for i noticed though that it was on the national geographic channel but i don't these two things that came on the tv do not correlate in any no, way shape or form not at all so they showed a fetus in utero yeah and then it went to but that's and that's when he first said she's and she's pregnant. pregnant yeah and then it shows um almost like a nuclear bomb going off yeah and a woman in an old-timey gas mask being surrounded by oil yeah. and then a like, skull yeah. being pulled in by bony hands into oil yeah it's fucking trippy yeah yeah i blew your mind i blew tony's fucking mind T- poor yeah. tony <laughs> poor tony he was like what I mean, I got chills when I yeah. saw it. Because when you first told me, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I'm watching it like, what? Because when you hear about it, you're like, meh. And yeah. then you watch it and you're like, Jesus. 
But then I'm thinking, what com- like there is not a commercial like this. No. What the fuck is this? <laughs> right. And what like there was no like segue in between the two. No, there it wasn't. was the fetus and then it was the woman. And then in all oil. of a sudden you see the gas mask in the fucking That's oil. It. That's yeah, it. it. It's fucking trippy. Yeah. So the next one, there's there's four. And this one gave me chills. Too. I'm not I'm not there yet. Okay. So they are in the house. It's Nicole Atkinson, Chris, the officer, and Nicole's son. All the lights are on. Nicole's son walks um, past a bedroom, and the light goes off. Just in the one room, light goes off. Oh, I didn't even I didn't show see. you that one. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. So, in the same sequence of events. Yeah. When they're upstairs in the loft area and they had just found the phone and Chris is turning the phone on, they had already gone into the bedrooms. Yeah. Okay. If you go to that part in the documentary, I don't know what minute it is. I'm sorry. I didn't write it down. I'm fucking Damn tired. You. I can look. I can look for it. Idiot. Um, I'm, I'm exhausted. So it's when he's looking. He, it's, it's when he's turning the phone on. Yeah. If you look past him to the left into the green bedroom yep. there's a child in a pink shirt yeah moving but it looked playing. like there was another girl there was too, that like in a you, second scene you could see her like leaning almost like she's looking out the door but then like mm-hmm. leans back in yes so it's all within that time frame in the green room yeah so you see the, the a little girl kind of lean like she's looking out the door and then kind of like go back in like she was you know yeah. played in hide and seek and then you see, I have goosebumps. I'm go- looking um, my arm. Then you see, it, it's it's a little girl. I don't give a fuck who you are. It's a little girl in a pink shirt. Yeah. Playing. The green room was Celeste's room. And Celeste was dressed in a pink shirt and a diaper when she died. Yeah. That's her. Mm-hmm. The last one, they are searching... Chris and Shanann's bedroom. And she's got a lot of shoes. She's got a lot of shoes and a bright pink closet. This poor canine handler who's 137. It didn't look like she was from the PD. It looked like they had... No, she was like a rescue. Like, not a rescue, but like the king. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, which isn't odd because we had a hard time finding canines. We'd have to call sometimes in Indiana, you know, to have a fucking dog come out. So she walks into the closet with a dog, and you very distinctly yep. hear a child giggle, yep. a little girl giggle. And it's not something that, oh, somebody just saw on a tape. The poor canine handler was she, like, what in the fuck was that? And she stops out. She immediately yeah. backs out of the closet, asks the other cop whose body cam footage it was actually on, yep. turns around and says, did you, did you hear that? They even go back in the closet. To step on something. There's a child's that, yeah. toy in there. It's a blue bear. And yeah. they go back in there to step on it to see if they could recreate the sound. Yeah. And then the two of them are talking and they're both like, okay, I heard it. Did you hear it? Yeah, yeah I heard it. Did you hear Like, neither one of them believed that they had heard it, but they knew that they had heard yeah. it. And it is very, very distinct. It is. Children's laughter. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so if you do anything, look those up, because they're pretty fucked up. Yeah. 
There's one. So on um, YouTube, if you Google, I think I Googled little girl in the bedroom, Chris Watts. It's a, it's a woman actually explaining yeah, and then some of the accents. And think. then, yeah, she zooms in and circles where the little girl is, is moving. Yeah. So. <sighs> Well, I'm glad we're done with this one. I I'm, am so glad we are done with this one. You know, like I, it, it's it's tough because what a tragedy, but I, I, I just, I think he snapped. You know, I think. I and, do too. And I think is, he snapped and the kids were collateral this, damage. This is going to sound so weird, but like I, I, see a little of him and me right like his personality which freaked our kid out by the way yeah yeah <laughs> i know i shouldn't have, i'm i'm an idiot That's all but right. he he was a quiet guy just stuck to himself mm-hmm. does not like confrontation you know i don't like when we right. fight mm-hmm. i just when it gets to a certain point oh okay you're right you're right let's end it i'm done okay. and then you text me like a dickwad for the next hour yeah i'm sorry i love you i love you boo no after you text me like a dickwad for an hour yeah and then i sit there and pout and refuse to text you first and wait for you to apologize yeah Yeah, but that's how that goes i think he just it built up i i truly think that the the fight with his parents pushed him that was and i think when he finally talked to his parents on august 6th and they're like we don't know if we can ever forgive her yeah he knew he he wasn't in the middle he knew he wasn't gonna see his parents again and they died a week later he murdered him a week later i I think that that was the straw that broke the camel's back Yeah, just years of building up i I don't want to say i mean we're not victim blaming no. in any way, shape, or form. And... Because again, he in his interviews, he never says a bad word about Shanann. Right. Ever. Right. But he, he you, never you, does. No. But watching mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. her clips. And then she you can like see I said her tone. Yeah. And she comes off And then she realizes yes. it right at the very end. But yes. I and and I think the affair happened because he needed to be desired. He had he, never been desired. He never well, had a girlfriend. That's that's the majority of all guys. Right. But we want to be right. pursued. And he and we don't want we don't want a bitch. Right. Well, and he Plain had and never simple. he had never been pursued essentially. He yeah. had his first girlfriend after college and she left him for another dude. Yeah. And then he met Shanann and she was sick and he was immediately taking care of her. Yeah. And she never really had a chance to pursue Pursue him, him. you know, and by all accounts prior to this, like they, they both, they had their issues, but neither one of them said a bad word about the other one. Right. Ever. So I I really. Until the affair. That's when Shanann was finally like it. And even then she doesn't name call. Right. She tries to fix it. And he, he doesn't say a, a bad word about her. Which it, it that's what it just blows my mind. Which is why I think that's it had more I, to do with the family than the affair. Yes, I do too. And I think it was just the perfect fucking storm that he found this woman that took his breath away. Yeah. And who Shanann, liked butt stuff. right? Who liked butt stuff? God bless her. Um, who didn't know how to do butt stuff, but she was learning. God, she was gonna hey, learn. Hey. To each his own. She was. She was gonna learn. She was. Whew. 
So God bless her. He realized like he had this woman that he was falling in love with and he had this wife who's in a fight with his parents and I think it was just the, the yeah. perfect fucking storm. Yep. I think it just all came together. It, it was too much. And I think the babies were collateral damage. Yeah. I, I totally and think that. I They question, were old enough to yeah. know what was going on. And like I said, in that moment, he just killed his wife. Mm -hmm. He's not thinking about everything and everything that's going on. I he's, wonder, He's too, in tunnel vision, yeah. babe. He's, he's in fight or flight. I wonder, what too, though. What the fuck do I... Can you... Can, you You're cutting me mean. off again. God oh damn you. God. Okay, finish your stupid sentence. No, I'm done. No. I'm done. Mm -mm. No. No. <laughs> you might want to talk. Finish. I'll, I'll take a sip. I'm going to fucking punch you in the face. <laughs> um, I wonder what would have happened if Bella didn't walk in. Or... If Bella even walked in at all, or if I that's th I what think he they was would still using, be alive. I he if if she didn't walk in, he was using it as an excuse. But then he got into such detail about the girls. I feel like she did walk in, and that's when he was like, yeah. "Fuck, yeah, what I, I fuck." Because she's fight four. or flight. She's I four. Get, yeah, she know. I mean, she had the whereabouts to ask, "What's wrong with mommy?" Yeah, so she knew. She knew exactly. So, but it killed it's... me that he said he he wondered the whole drive there if he could have saved their lives. They're still alive in your back seat. Yeah, that's that's when you got to fucking. Now you have time to think, mm -hmm. and you got to fucking come to Jesus. You had an hour with those babies in the car with you. Yeah, alive. Yeah, you could hear them. Yeah, you could. That would have been the time. To Holy, find God. You couldn't have found yeah, God then? I, I fucked up. Shit got out of control. We'll figure I, it out from yeah, here. It, yeah. Because, like it or not, you can explain shit away to a four-year-old. Yes. You could have explained it away. Yes. You chose not to. And you probably would have been out of fucking jail at, you know. <laughs> Babe, when I fucking read... I didn't think I was going to spend the rest of my life in prison. Where were you going? Fucking Graceland? Like, what? Right. What did you think was going to happen? You were a death penalty case. Yeah. And you knew that. Because right. as part of the plea deal, they took the death penalty off uh, the table. Exactly. They were going to fucking kill you. Right. But you thought you were going to get out of jail? Yeah. What? Yeah. Whatever. So I'm, I'm going to look at... Not now. I can't. I can't do no, any more with this. No, we're done with this case. I do want to know, though, if that book has been substantiated, if those are actual letters. Because one of them is, he said that he tried to kill her before. Or, excuse me, he tried to um, terminate the pregnancy by giving her, like, a shit ton of oxy. Yeah. Because... And they asked him where he got the oxy from, and he said, oh, I'll take that to my grave. Yeah, see, if if those notes are, are true, then my whole theory and thinking is is gonna be totally reversed yeah. so i don't know i don't i i i don't know but i can't look at it right now his mom's book is a fucking dumpster fire though because his mom is just one, shitty or she's she is one of the ones who thinks that shanann killed the babies she still thinks shanann killed the kids no. and that he had to do what he had to do no and that he was railroaded and he was coerced into pleading guilty no. 
She still thinks that. Sorry, mom. Nope. That's what their phone calls are about. And his dad tries to tell her, like, please stop talking about it. Because then he goes back to his cell and that's all he thinks about. Good. That's all you should that's fucking what think he about. Should. But yeah. that's his mom is convinced that Shanann murdered the, the girls. Yeah. No. That's delusional at its finest. Yeah. So there's nothing that supports that. Nothing. Nothing. And I, I mean, even he says, no, no. Didn't happen. Yeah. And the details that he went into, that's not made up. Right. That's what happened. Right. So, mm. yeah. Well, I'm going to burn this now. <laughs> well, that was, you know. Wow. We're at almost two hours. Uh, so, we, I, uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do a part three. I couldn't. No. We would have never no. had a part three because I don't think I would have been able to get through it. Yeah. Maybe this I was... maybe I do have a soul. I don't. No, you don't. No, I don't. Fuck that. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Not even a little bit. No. No. I think he should rot in hell, and I hope his fucking cellmate read that guide to anal sex. So, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Fuck you and your poop shoot. How about that? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, babe. Well, you did a good job. You did a lot of fucking research. Yeah, so that one hurt. You, yeah. you did a whole fucking notebook. I did. So. And I'm I'm not kidding. I'm pr- I'm gonna burn it. <laughs> like I don't want it. Yeah, no. I'm gonna you burn should. it. I don't. I don't want it. I don't. I don't want a little girl in a pink shirt. Yeah. Standing in my doorway. <laughs> yeah. No. So we'll wrap it up real quick. So the next one I'm going to do is the San, and I'm, I'm probably saying this wrong, and I'm sorry, Lola. Ysardio? I'm probably totally wrong. McDonald's Massacre uh, from 1984, I believe. Okay. So give me a couple days. I'll have that one done. It was a request from her? Yes. Okay. Yes. So give me a couple days. I'll have that one done. And she gets it because she's our first Patreon. Mm-hmm. So... That's right. Yeah. We're trying to get stickers made too, by the way. And I know stickers, like, I don't care how fucking old you are. If you're a girl, you want a motherfucking sticker. So. Sure. Yeah. You don't care about stickers. No, I'd rather Um, take a t-shirt. We 100% at this point, I think, have to make poop shoot t-shirts. Yes, I've had. Because so many people are asking for them, like legitimately asking for them. Uh, Craig has already designed one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so no joke. We're in touch with a trademark rep. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure out what we need to trademark and everything. Mm-hmm. And legit poop shoot. Mark is, wants to trademark poop shoot. Yeah. So if it, if we are able to, we are definitely going to have a poop shoot shirt. So many people. Something along the, the lines of maybe don't be a poop shoot or... <laughs> Come join the poop shoot. Not come join the poop shoot. Oh, I'm here for the gangbang. <laughs> no. no, but come join no. the... No, <laughs> no. We have parents. And they would be wearing them too. Oh my God, could... your mother. I'll, I'll tell her it's a religious one. And she'll wear it everywhere and show her friends. Yes, she will. Oh my God. And, and she'll then... wear it to church. And then we'll be in hell with Chris Watts. <laughs> That's where we'll be. <laughs> oh my god! It'll be fun uh, once we all get there. I think. Yes. So, all we'll right. Have a big party. 
thank you everybody um for listening i need to go have a drink and go to bed because i haven't slept in like three days yeah and i gotta take my night meds and yeah. knock out i've been trying to get the story out and the doctor and work at 4 a.m and I'm, yeah no yeah. i need a beer and and bed <laughs> so uh, please keep listening no butt play no i have to download the guide first babe <laughs> Uh, and my computer's about to die, so oh. sorry for y'all. Um, <clears throat> so please keep listening, yeah. even though Mark keeps saying poop shoot. Um, <laughs> I, I, by the way, I told Kate the other day about the nipple story. Yeah. And she's like, that's what did you in? Yeah. So we were recording and we were literally. 20 minutes in. Or... Oh, we were further than that. We were yeah. almost done. And Mark made a comment about it being cold and referenced um, my nipple. And I was yeah. like, nope, we're done. Yeah. I was, Start like, it over. Dude, we talk about everything <laughs> else. And that's why that. Kate and Bennett were like, what? That did you? Yeah. Really? That's what bothered me. I couldn't believe. Like, I thought you were joking at first. You're like, turn it off. We're done. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't help it that your fucking nipple was almost to my eye. Okay, we don't have to continue the conversation. Like, we don't have to recreate it. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. So, it's been enough fun. Please don't stop listening because of this. Yeah, please don't hate us. <laughs> um. So, we're on almost all the platforms at yeah. this point. Please subscribe, follow, like. Um. I think the only platform is what, uh, Pandora. That's the only one yeah and i can't they have I, weird stupid guidelines like their pictures your pictures have to be a certain measurement and i don't know how to do that so yeah, i but skipped then them. you you i thought like some of like their rules and regs were like you can't talk about murder yeah there's no and, way we would have made it on there yeah so i think that's the only platform where they would have gotten three minutes into the first episode and been like Mm-mm, yeah no but everybody everything else runs so um spotify apple like follow please leave reviews yeah. um come do you subscribe on instagram no you follow yeah follow, follow. us on instagram because we need followers follow us on podbean because we need followers yep. and then come find us on facebook yep so thank you guys hope you enjoyed this two-part series i did not yeah i'm kind of glad we're done with this so, one yeah violet oh this was a hard one yeah i i and from the sounds of it, I don't think she knew much about the case prior to, and she was, like, just starting to learn. Yeah. So, I taught you. Yeah, you did. You so. went far. But, I mean, I had seen this Netflix documentary mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah. And, I mean, you you dove deep. I read a 2,000-page discovery. Yeah. So, you, you did your homework. I got to give you credit on I'm it. I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. And All honestly, right. so like the 200-page discovery and the four-hour interview and then seeing the ghost, I'm yeah. like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't do a part three. Yeah. It's going to be a long part two because right. I can't do a part three. All right. We're almost at two hours now, so We're thank good. you guys. So now you guys have, you can listen to it on the way to work and on at, the way home. Yeah, there you go. There you good go. Good thinking. All right. Thank you guys once again, and we'll probably be recording. A couple days. Yeah, a couple days. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. but we will let you guys know and, uh, stay tuned. Bye. Bye.